Hello and welcome once again to the Nasser Alexander Kuchecki Studios, spanning the state of North Carolina and spanning across the pond as we touch on some English football right here on the right hosh. Luke Ned Carney, Rob Jordan, Alex Thompson here with you for the first time in over a month. Our last show was on February 1st before the Super Bowl, before craziness took place in college sports. But here we are back on the other side. Liverpool has played a little bit better in at least one league. Rob, we've pulled him out of the gutter for just long enough for some analysis about Arsenal and beyond and some spicy football takes. And of course, Alex Thompson here to sing the blues for uh, the Manchester City citizens and and beyond as well. Uh, Welcome, guys. Thanks for joining me here. This evening, great to be back, by the way. It's, we took a little bit of a hiatus. If you listen to the latest episode of The Right Hash, we took a little bit of a post-American football season cool down, but here we are back ready to do shows and to give you our cheekiest, our best efforts. So without further ado, Robert Jordan and Alex Thompson, how are you guys doing? Ready for it, dude. It's been a, been a, a really interesting couple of weeks uh, since we've all last spoken together. So um uh, I, I guess not much has changed in the grand scheme of things on the Premier League table, but uh, it c- certainly seems like uh, Luke has a, a much more vested interest in the, the results of the games now that the last couple of weeks have proceeded. Uh, yeah, I, I know he's side-eyeing that UCL spot for next year. Yeah, uh, I'm excited to be back here with you, gents, as always. And uh, yeah, it's been about a month since we last spoke, and a lot has happened. Uh, like Alex mentioned, you know, the grand scheme of things, nothing too uh, too big of a change, but uh, there have been some pivotal changes, um, you know, in the top ten of the table, uh, especially in the last couple weeks. So um, definitely ready to get down and. Uh, talk about it and what we think about what's going to happen. I'd be remiss if I didn't mention the latest result of today. Maybe we'll work backwards a little bit here as as far as the Reds go, but seven to zero at Anfield over Man United. And of course the namesake of our studios, I I, I give you the okie doke sign. You can't see me doing it, but I'm giving you the okie doke sign as I look to the sky because he was the Man U fan among our group. And it would have been really fun to just get to mercilessly make fun of Nasser Alexander Kuchecki for today's result, a touchdown from the Reds seven to nil. And uh, I, uh, I, like I was mentioning off mic, I only got to see three of the goals. I feel like Dudley Dursley right now. I only got to see three of the goals this year. I last year I got to see four, but anyway, big win, big win for goal difference for the Reds. Um, really nice to knock off a Man U team that had kind of resurfaced this year. Uh, they they kind of went through a dark period. Now it was kind of annoying that they were their back being good. Um, and the best part for me as a, as a Liverpool fan is we're sniffing one of those top four spots, like you said. So um, really, really positive development as far as the premier league goes uh, for, for Mo Salah and company. I'll talk a little bit more about Mo Salah in a minute, but really good to see today from the Reds. Yeah. Big, uh, not, not only just the, the result, but the, the gold differential, Manchester City down to uh, Manchester United, sorry, 
uh, down to plus six on goal differential on the table now. Liverpool up to plus 19. So, uh, you know, they were right about even before the day started, and now there's a huge gap. So, uh, you know, anything can happen. They've both only played 25 games. Um, so, you know, there's no match in hand for either one of them. And uh, wouldn't surprise me to see Liverpool finish ahead of them uh, when all is said and done. Um, it's going to be a, a really interesting finish in the top four, but um, maybe an even more interesting finish in the top two. Uh, Rob, what are you uh, what What are you feeling after that uh, after that match this weekend? You know, it went from two two nil. You know, wondering if they're just going to drop points um, to okay, we got this tied to holy shit, we scored in the last minute of the last hour of the last second of this game somehow. Um, you know, Mikel Arteta begging for that seventh minute, and that's what they needed. Um, bit, a big result for Arsenal to snatch three points um, and, and maintain uh, some breathing room between uh, between them and City. Yeah, I mean, it was certainly a nail-biter of a match. Um, you know, Arsenal this season have, generally speaking, been a better second-half team um, where, you know, we'll, we'll – turn the jets on and that's kind of where our quality comes out but you know as a fan in the crucial games when you know you're playing the second to last team in the table at the time you know you're you're not expecting to be down two nil uh you know 10 minutes into the second half of the match so uh you know it was certainly a thrilling uh thrilling match to watch at the end um and you know glad we could turn you know what was going to be zero points and what we thought was going to be one point into three points, uh, which is fantastic. And, uh, you know, a, a couple of weeks back, Arsenal, we uh, had a scare with Aston Villa as well, which, again, Aston Villa, you know, they're certainly a team not to be trifled with. You know, they are a solid squad. But, you know, we were down there as well, and we came back to win 4-2. So, um, you know, certainly, uh, certainly exciting uh, in the Emirates. That's for sure. Yeah, it's uh, it, I, man, I just as a city fan, I was sitting there. You know, obviously, I was excited after the what was it, eleven second goal off of kickoff, um, for for Burnmouth, and you know, I'm sitting there thinking to myself, okay, this this is cool. It's not going to matter at the end. And then you know, we're sitting there in like the 90th minute, and it's tied. I'm like, okay, maybe, may, maybe they can. And you know, minute by minute goes. And then this guy I've never heard of, Reese Nelson, comes out of nowhere and bags one. Um, Rob, can, can you tell me who the hell this is? Who is Reese Nelson? So uh, I'll tell you a fact about Reese Nelson, which, uh, you, you know, it's a great stat line here. So Reese Nelson has pay, uh, played a total of uh, about 80 minutes. I think it's like 85 minutes so far in the premiership this season. He still has more goals than Richarlison of Tottenham. So, uh, I mean, what, what, a what a guy, what an absolute guy, but, uh, yeah, no. So he, um, you know, he, he was brought on, uh, actually when Sokka went down on injury earlier in the season, uh, Reese Nelson was his direct replacement and he actually scored a goal in that match where he came on and then he got an injury of his own. So he's actually been battling, uh, this injury for the majority of the season, um, so he just recently got fit enough to be back in the squad um, and make that uh, even onto the substitutes uh, part of the squad. So, um, you know, it obviously it was a big moment for him to get that winning goal. But, uh, you know, 
even bigger for him to just be match fit again and back in the squad. And, you know, he's directly impacted, uh, you know, this, this season of destiny for Arsenal. So he has three goals on the season so far. And I think he has, I think it's like two or three assists. Um, so in the short amount of time in the game alone, he came in, he had that winning goal and he directly assisted uh, the second Arsenal goal. So um, big impact player, a super sub for sure. Speaking of newly acquired players that have had, had an impact, Cody Gakpo's finally found his footing with the Reds, I think. He had a, had a couple goals today. He's got four goals in eight matches in, in the Premier League, now just 23 years old. And I think they're finally getting out of him what they wanted to when they, they got him in the transfer period. And just to boot, he had a, a, in a game I've more or less blocked out of my mind, less of what I'm going to talk about uh, to today. But uh, in the UCL game against Real Madrid, Gakpo had a, had a goal as well. Uh, so finally producing, it took him a little while um, but Liverpool has, has not lost a uh, EPL game. They didn't lose an EPL game in their, la- their last four. They had a tie with Crystal Palace that I, I wish had turned out differently. But in their last two games, they're nine goals up and 11 goals up in their last three wins if you go back to the Newcastle game. And I think Cody Gakpo is a big reason why. Yeah, I'd alluded to it earlier in the season when, you know, you know rightfully so, you were pretty frustrated, Luke, with, you know, Liverpool's form and you're like you know it, it is frustrating as a fan right you know you're spending your club spending this money on these big names and things aren't quite working there's frustration with the players frustration with the manager frustration with the ownership um, of the club but it's just one of those things the later you get into the season you know I've mentioned that you know it's gonna take time for Gakpo to gel in that attack uh, and you know I think just you know as an impartial uh, you know, person observing Liverpool, um, I think it took a while where, you know, Mohamed Salah was the kind of focal point of their tack um, in their winning seasons. Uh, like he was their main goal threat, right? Where I think a big reason that Gakpo is going off is most a lot is, I mean, he's really improved in terms of assisting goals. Not that he wasn't bad before, but I think he's, uh, I want to say he's like more accepting of that role now where he like he's gelled better with Gakpo and uh, Darwin Nunez. Um, and like, I mean, the, the last few games, you look back at some of the assists he has, you know, he uses that you know pinpoint accuracy he has as a striker and has delivered beautiful curling balls into the box from outside um, that are just like perfectly placed on a dime for Nunez or Gakpo, and, you know, I, I personally think that's kind of been the the secret formula that now has, you know, come all together for Liverpool and for the world to see. And that to adding that to the game of Mohamed Salah, or at least this skill set that he's using this season, invaluable because he just set the Liverpool club record for a number of Premier League goals today, uh, 127 in his career. Uh, so that that's a, a great accomplishment for him. But you're exactly right, Rob. I noticed that today he was a lot more – you know, just involved in the middle, directing traffic, directing the ball where it needs to go. Uh, but um, one of the things Liverpool had been missing, I think, was a guy who could just kind of bomb it from wherever, you know, inside the box, outside the box, guy who had the touch like that. And I compared it on Twitter today to a, 
and, and a, an American football offense that doesn't have a big, tall, physical wide receiver they can throw jump balls to in the end zone. And, and I think now that they've added Gakpo as a guy who can, you know, he can put ball, put shots in from outside the box. Uh, that That's another element to that attack that the combined with the more willingness to be a facilitator that Muhammad Salah is, it, it could really lead to good things for, for this Liverpool team, which once again, sits just outside that top four uh, as it stands right now. Yeah. And I would, the really only comment I would have about Liverpool um, is it just seems like they haven't been able to get anything out of the attack. Um, you know, obviously you, you net seven today that that looks really good. Um, but I, I, I need to see Darwin do this consistently I, I need to see Gakpo do it consistently and get Gakpo eight appearances four goals that's I, I think you're doing fine especially coming over midseason um Nunez 19 appearances eight goals I know everyone was expecting more of him this season uh Luis Diaz is a guy who you got a lot out of last year um and somewhat earlier this season but has been a lot less of a factor uh Diego Jota is uh you know that doesn't have a goal in the season and that that's just not going to help uh, for, for Mino, you know, Bobby, Bobby teeth, as I call him, um, <laughs> you know, he's, you know, that they made it announced this week that he's going to find a new club after the season. Um, but he even had a, a nice howler today, a nice, uh, celebration with the Liverpool crowd. Um, you, you just got to wonder if they all needed a little bit of a confidence boost, but for, for me, I need to see them do this consistently. Um, not that I need to see them score seven goals a game, but they, they just need to keep up this winning streak. Um, and I, I think we're going to find out a lot about this squad um, in their, their upcoming UCL match. Yeah, it's going to be an uphill battle uh, because giving up five goals at Anfield, 5-2 loss, hurt especially after jumping out to a 2-0 lead. And that was, that was dreamland, as Ian Dark would say, uh, for, for the Reds early in that first half. Uh, and then it all came crashing down. Um, and that, I think that that speaks more to the strength of Real Madrid and just how good of a team they are. But they got to go to to uh, uh, Estadio Santiago Bernabeu for for the second leg and got to win that game by four goals, I guess, or else uh, or else that, that's it for UCL this this year. Uh, but I do wonder if if this recent resurgence in Premier League is a kind of a, a shift of focus to hey, we might not be in it for UCL beyond this round. Now we got to focus on getting back. Well, yeah, or, yeah. I mean, I, I'd say it is because, you know, you guys got to keep in mind, right, that the top four spots that finish the season in the Premiership qualify for the Champions League next season. And, you know, it, if, you know, this year isn't Liverpool's year in the Champions League, you know, they're going to do everything they possibly can to ensure that they're in the, the Championship or uh, Champions League next year, right? So um, that's just my opinion if I was Klopp. Yeah, I mean, I, absolutely, and they're three points behind Tottenham and have a match in hand, so, uh, you know, they've got the goal differential over them. Uh, I, I just don't see Tottenham sticking there with the way Liverpool's playing, and, you know, it, it, Newcastle has really taken a tumble. Their, their offense, their attack has been non-existent this, uh, this, this past couple of weeks, really a month, um, but I, I certainly see Liverpool jumping up there into this top four if they can continue this, uh, this form. The one, the one question I have is, can they continue this form? They've only got one Premier League match between now and April Fool's Day. They play Burnmouth on the 11th. There are no other scheduled Premier League matches for Liverpool in, in the month of March. So 
Um, I guess you had to get your goals in when you could. You just got to hope that that form carries over. Um, you know, of course, you have the Madrid matchup, um, you know, in the middle of the month. So it's not going to be completely cold. But, um, you know, just just in terms of keeping your form, uh, I think they have one match that needs to be rescheduled. So maybe they place that here in March um, and break it up. But uh, I, I would much rather be playing when I'm on this hot streak rather than sitting. Yeah, agreed. And one more shout out before we I can I can step away from talking about the Reds here. But uh, Allison Becker, the goal the goalkeeping has been phenomenal uh, throughout the month of February. Um, and here early in March, that's, I think he had his fourth EPL clean sheet in a row. Um, uh, you know, to say nothing of the UCL game, but uh, at least that's a, that's his fourth clean sheet in a row. Three three zero and one through that stretch for uh for the Reds. So that they got got. A, I always give a shout out to the goalkeeper. Doesn't matter the sport. Hockey, I'm a big goalie guy. Soccer, also a big goalie guy. Yeah, I'd, I'd say as a parting point on Liverpool, but one thing that I've noticed that uh, I think, you know, the, the last couple of weeks, right, they have started to find their form. And even in the loss to Madrid, uh, I mean, just like opening with those two goals, um, I, I think Liverpool, and if you go back and watch the highlights of the 7-0 uh, victory over Man U, um, they're very dangerous on the counter and they got most of those goals even against Real Madrid on the counter attack. And that's where, you know, that style of attack benefits the types of players they have like Gakpo, Salah um, and Darwin Nunez, who all have extreme pace and even, you know, getting someone like Trent Alexander Arnold running up um, from the back of the pitch up there, you know, Liverpool is a very fast paced squad. Um, so, you, you know, I, I think that's where some of the things are clicking, um, because, you know, really what Liverpool's downfall has been is, you know, their defense has, you know, generally been, you know, crap to say, <laughs> to put it politely, uh, for the majority of the season. So, you know, now with Van Dyke back in the line, that's starting to back, uh, that back line starting to gel again, um, as long as they can keep the pressure and hold in the back line long enough for them to get a quick counterattack. Um, you know, I, I think the Reds are a very dangerous team um, to go up against anyone, especially if they found that uh, chemistry. And I think that's their secret weapon for winning uh, the rest of their uh, EPL matches. Spot on. It's really interesting. Uh, I'm just looking here real quick. Uh, the last thing I'll say about Liverpool is I'm surprised at how few a uh, goal contributions um they they have in their midfield everyone who's listed here as a midfielder um they have four assists on the season as a midfield uh which mo salah has seven by himself um so i it, it's interesting when you when you have a, a run of form but you're not really getting a lot of goal contribution out of the midfield i mean the the, the defense has uh, a, a lot more contribution on goals, it seems like, when you consider Trent. Um, but uh, something they need to clean up and really something they need to fix, I would say, in the offseason uh, is, is getting this midfield back to uh, a consistent and maybe a little bit younger um, younger roster. But, um, yeah, interesting to see how they play down the stretch. And we'll, we'll see how real this improvement is once they play Real Madrid again. I, I don't have any delusions about them winning the, the overall but I would like to see them just play a really a solid game. And, you know, I, I'd like to see them win it personally, uh, just, even if it's not enough to win the aggregate. Just go out there and win that and take something from it. 
I too would like to see them win it. That that would be nice. I'm also just not a Madrid fan in general. Me neither. Um, not I'm not a not. I think I think I, don't, I think Spain's like that one country where I was like I can't pick a club that I could root for. I just don't like any of them. That's <laughs> that's France too. That's Maybe true. Too. <laughs> yeah, I I would I would agree. I liked a lot of the Portuguese league teams though. I, my my best friend growing up was a, a Barcelona fan, so I just kind of started rooting against them out of spite. And now, you know, I never liked Madrid. I know that's the big rivalry, but I, I feel like if I can't pick a side there, you know, what, what am I doing? <laughs> but you know, we we can move you know move on from from Liverpool to uh, to you know I'll either either of you guys want to pontificate about either you know, Arsenal. We touched on Arsenal a little bit, touched on Man City a little bit, but uh, kind of going in either direction there uh, before we get to to Rob's spicy takes of 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 the evening but uh (laughs) well we can we can save the best for last so let's go ahead and start with man city oh i I think we will be saving the best for last it will just be on the last day of the season like like last year you remember that you remember that fun stuff (laughs) um i mean i i don't have a whole lot to say about city there's not been a lot of you know uh i I, I don't know. It's just been kind of ho-hum with them. Uh, there's a lot of noise in the background just because a lot of folks, I think, are uh, antsy with some of the results and how they've been playing and, um, you know, lack of scoring. But um, I think a lot of that is uh, is getting remedied. Uh, Jack Grealish finally looks like the $100 million man. Uh, he's playing well. We've got him more in that midfield role, finally, uh, a lot less of the running up the wing by himself and just getting cornered in still do that, but uh, he's doing a little bit more centrally. Uh, and then w- w- the, the big, you know, the, the stir of the drink for city this year has been Phil Foden. Um, you, you can point to Kevin De Bruyne, you can point to other, other players, but when city is playing their best, it's when Phil Foden's on the pitch and when he's just being Phil Foden um, between the absence of Phil and the absence of Ruben Diaz, uh, it, it hasn't been the same city uh, in the, you know, since the, the World Cup break. We came back and it just wasn't the same squad. Um, since those two guys have been added back in and got back into form, City has looked a little bit more like themselves. Uh, dominated Newcastle. Like I said, Newcastle's been struggling. Um, they've, I think they've only scored like seven goals since the World Cup break. It's not been good. They've dropped out of the top four. They're really losing a grip um, on this phenomenal season that they've had. Um, but City is is just playing really well. They're playing like they have the last couple of years. They, it, it feels like I'm watching City again. Um, and the last couple of games have been pretty much without the contribution of Erling Holland, which is really what you want to see. You know, we started the season thinking, okay, I really I just need to see them get Holland, you know, uh, implemented into the attack, and then we'll be fine. But then after the World Cup, it's been like, okay, I need to see them be able to. Sc- to win without relying on Erling Holland to be Superman. And it seems like that's something they found out here uh, in the, in the last couple of weeks um, and, you know, n- narrowed that table down to five points and uh, we play again. So it's, it, it's going to be a really, really good finish. I think, I think it's going to be a two team race. I don't think there's anyone else. I don't think United are a real player here. Um I think it's going to be Arsenal and City down the stretch, and and I, I'm here for it. I think that's going to be a great race, and that's going to make that that April matchup uh, when it comes to the Etihad um, maybe the biggest game of the entire season. Yeah, uh, 
absolutely agree with that. Uh, and uh, I mean, to be honest with Man City, just watching, you know, like I said, it's been a month since we last talked. This is the point in the season where, you know, it, it's make or break. You know, you know, this is where the the great teams separate themselves from the good teams. Uh, you know, the teams that are, you know, deemed as lucky versus like actually talented and deserving of wins. And, you know, I, I think Man City has really found its form. Um, you know, you mentioned like Jack Grealish, um, you know, playing up to his value right now. Um, you know, I, I think just things are gelling for Pep. And, you know, because the last time we spoke, right, you know, obviously, Alex, you were frustrated and, you know, quite a few Man City fans were frustrated where, you know, it seems like Pep is like playing around like, you know, hey, this isn't the time to be playing around with our formations like we should have stuff set. I think that's that has happened since we last um, had a podcast here because, you, you know, I, I think Pep has his ideal starting eleven. Uh, the way he wants them in different positions, you know, plus or minus two or three players that he can interchange uh, given like injuries or load management. And, you know, I, I think just city is just hitting uh, stride at this point in the season. Uh, I agree. It, it feels like they are, that they are more, I'm not going to say they're like, you know, setting the world on fire, but they're doing all the things that city has done the last five years they're, they're, they're back to the same identity they're able to stay on the ball they are, are are switching it side to side they're making you know passes with intent they're not just passing to rack up passing stats um they're you know the last couple of of matches last couple of weeks they've you know seemed to have an idea of what they wanted to do they, they had designs they everyone was on the same page everyone was moving the same um i think we've also just a byproduct of getting health back with some of our big players like i said with phil foden with uh ruben diaz i mean those are those are massive massive pieces to be without um and when you have phil foden in form uh there there, there are a few guys in england that i think are as big of a jump start to their squad than phil foden is when he's in form um and just to have him on one side jack Grealish on the other side both of them just kind of that kind of like sonic the hedgehog out there they just bounce around run around they don't really that they, they just kind of free form to wherever the ball is they don't they're kind of positionless um and we haven't played kevin de bruyne much recently he's been he's been out nursing some uh as as they call him niggles um so uh i, th I think he's gonna be fine we've obviously got a ucl match um coming up here this week that or um this month that we really really need to win i would say uh to you know hammer home the fact that city are back to themselves i would say and to give us confidence down the stretch to to make it run to make this run at your arsenal gunners yep it's it's definitely gonna be close and uh you know on the subject of phil foden i mean i it, in the highlights and just watching the match in general i mean literally him in form he ping-ponged between four newcastle defenders to get his first goal and i mean uh, up to that point, Newcastle was deemed the best defense in the Premiership. And, I mean, Phil Foden in full form, uh, you know, free of injury. I mean, him and Grealish on the other wing, like, that's that's a nightmare for defenses. And, um, yeah, so I think you're exactly right. And, you know, I, I will say you, you touched on this too, Alex, but with Newcastle, um, you know, I, I think the train has slowed now, you know, that that – 
train has come to a screeching halt. Um, you know, Newcastle's playing style was, um, you know, they, they were a highly defensive team and they relied on that defense and great goalkeeping by Nick Pope. And, you know, their attack would come on the counter with, um, with Callum Wilson, as well as Almiron. And, you know, Almiron, you know, he, he hasn't been hot lately, neither has Callum Wilson. So like once that, if you play defensively, if you don't take advantage of the chances you have on the counter, um, you know, you're going to lose or you're going to draw every single game. Uh, so, yeah, I, I think I predicted earlier that it'd be, you know, it'd be a top four race between, you know, Arsenal, Man City, Man U and Newcastle. Uh, you know, Newcastle are well and out of that race where, you know, I think uh, I think you insert Liverpool into that fourth spot. And, you know, Man United and Liverpool can certainly make a concerted run. Uh, I don't think they'd win it, but, um, you know, they'd love to spoil uh, the finish for either of the top two teams. Certainly. And just to, to, to give you the official number I'm looking at here in Premier League matches, Newcastle has scored six goals this year, this calendar year. Um going back to uh, a three-goal output they had on December 26th on the, the Boxing Day. Um, they've scored six goals in the Premier League since that day. Um, doesn't matter how good your defense is. That's not going to win you anything. I one, one, one thing I think I should mention, just because they're still in the top four, in danger of falling out, Tottenham. They have been missing Hugo Lloris for the last several weeks. Um, and they've been linked to... I just had the guy's name, um, like Brent, Brentford, just David Raya. Um, there's been, been some rumors there, but you know, it, rumors of Tottenham upgrading at goalkeeper, but I do, th- I do think that's a, that Liverpool's benefited from that too. And some other teams have benefited from, you know, I think who I think is one of the best goalkeepers in the EPL, just not being there. Uh, you know, the, the attack for that team can only do, but so much. That that's fine. They they can continue to be without Lewis. I, oh, that's I'm all with right you. With I'm with you. I just it's, <laughs> it's just just putting it out there since I think I think that since the last time we even did a show that 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 happened. It don't 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 make me get out my world's smallest violin to play them a sad song. Um, you know, I think every violin every violin looks like the world's smallest violin next to you, Alex. But I have these tiny hands. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean. Th- they're good when they're full strength. They're they're competitive. I mean, they they beat City a, a month to the day um, ago. I, I think they're a a decent squad, but they certainly need Hugo Lloris. Is uh, <laughs> the best French goalie in the world, and um, probably one of the just top five goalies in the world. I would say I'm not going to rank them, but I'd put him in my top five. Uh, that it's a it's a big loss, but. Um, you know, you've got to be able to score more than zero against Wolves. You know, that Hugo Lloris isn't the reason you scored zero. And that that's my problem with them right now. They have Harry Kane and then no, nothing else in terms of reliable attack um, as it sits right now. They should have more, but as it sits right now, they have Harry Kane and really not much else. And until they find another way to win games, uh, they're definitely falling out of the top four. Well, you know who's not going to be falling out of first place? The Gunners of Arsenal, baby. Um, it's 
it's an exciting race to see. And, you know, I, I agree with you, Alex, that, you know, it, it is going to come down to the, the very last week or two. Because uh, we have, if I believe, if I'm correct here, I think it's about 14 or 15 matches left, um, depending on how many uh, matches have been played. Um, and, you know, that's, that's a, like, it doesn't seem like that much, but that's a very long time. And, you know, that that's where injuries can happen. You know, teams can go on runs, teams can, you know, train the train can stall for certain teams and you know starting off there a big concern recently from the Bournemouth game actually uh, for Arsenal is Leandro Trossard um, he went off with an injury straight into mm. the locker room uh, before halftime and uh, you know Trossard as you've seen he's been in phenomenal form for our club and has has been a great um, added piece of, on our attack um, from Brighton and uh, I mean for him to go um, I know Gabriel Jesus is you know he's practicing with the squad again he's been in like warm-ups and warm downs with the club which is great uh, but you know at this point this pivotal point in the season uh, you know we've made a note of this earlier on some of our casts about you know squad depth right you know the later you get in the season that's where squad depth really shows and um, you know, so that, that, that's the biggest concern um, that I have with Arsenal. So I hope, you know, just from a, not just a fan's perspective, but like, I never want anyone to have really serious injuries. You know, I hope Trossard, uh, everything's good there and that he's back full form soon. But, um, you know, I think he's going to be pivotal um, if, if he's out for the rest of the season for whatever reason. Uh, I think that's a huge blow to the Gunners. Yep, 12, 12 matches left. And, I mean, really for Arsenal, there's not a lot of big, you know, teams left on the schedule. You've got a lot of those out of the way. You know, you've got um, one time going to Anfield at the beginning of April. Um, you go to the, the Etihad um, at the end of April. And, I mean, the, 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 the next best team that you play is Fulham between now and then. So, uh, I mean, it's not to say that you're going to chalk everything in the Premier League. There's certainly going to be a draw in there, probably maybe a loss or two to a, a team you don't really expect it to. But, you know, by and large, it's ideal for Arsenal to have, you know, a, a little bit uh, lighter of a back half, like you said, a couple of unfortunate injuries. Um, also very conducive to working uh, Gabriel Jesus back into the lineup with some of these uh, less than stellar opponents. Um, so I – I personally think the back end of this, the last 12 matches of the season are set up as well as you can hope in terms uh, of, you know, defending the lead on the table. There's, there's only a couple of places that should give you real trouble, um, you know, for, from a predictability standpoint. Um, I, I think city's got a little bit more of a, uh, a little bit more of a tough uh, road, not, not a lot more, but um just slightly, which I, I just think, again, uh, goes into Arsenal's favor down the stretch. Um, certainly not saying either one of them. Uh, I'm not picking a winner yet because it just seems like every year it comes down to what happens on the last day of the Premier League and comes down to the last match to the last minute. Um, so I, I'm hoping it does that again because it's a lot of fun. Uh, but I, I don't know. I, I've got some pessimism in me uh, about this just looking at, um, 
how fortunately the back uh, back end of this is laying out for Arsenal. Yeah, I mean, certainly I, I looked at the matchups too. And, you know, I, I'd say, you know, for using American sports terms here, right, you know, the strength of schedule here for Man City, it's a much tougher backstretch, certainly. Mm-hmm. And, you know, y'all are also juggling Champions League as well, which you're very much in. You know, obviously we're in the Europa League matchup. So, you know, you could argue that that kind of nullifies it where, you know, we're also distracted. That's fair. But, um, you know, I, I wouldn't discount, uh, you know, th- those those trap games, right? Mm-hmm. Where, you know, just looking at the table, you know, positions, there's 20, there's 20 teams in the league, right? Positions 14 through 20 are five, there's a five-point differential, and they're all even on games. So all of those teams are desperate to not be relegated and like anything you never want to underestimate a team that not only has nothing to lose if they're not going to win the league but they're literally fighting for survival to stay in that league they will throw anything and everything at you um and you know we we almost experienced that with uh Bournemouth right where they did a cheeky you know right off the first kickoff which technically it actually should have been disallowed and they retake um uh like the the match kickoff part but i mean you know it, it's still they're still very much trap games for anyone and you know this is the premiership this isn't you know league one in france this isn't a farmer's league where you know two or three teams you know dominate the the vast majority of the league any team in the premiership can beat any team on any given day so um you know it it, it certainly certainly exciting but um you know I, i'm excited for uh what arsenal can do and we get people back in the the lineup um uh, i think the gunners you know stand a good chance we just should not be our own enemy yeah we've got uh i'm gonna toss one more thing in there we've got uh fa cup as well um to, to juggle a little bit with some starts um so you know that all that adds up down the stretch of a premier league uh backstretch um and you, you can you can just never overlook especially this year the like the trio of fulham brighton and brentford get so easily overlooked and they have tripped teams up so many times this year i i catch myself overlooking them and even like nottingham forest uh you, you can just you can't write them off this year like you said they're at any point i mean like burnmouth last on the table took Arsenal down to the wire. It could happen at any time, anywhere, away, home, day, night, rain, clear skies. The per- the Premier League is the Premier League for a reason. I also wonder if the World Cup is going to have any cumulative effect just on late, you know, later, later in the season. You know, you get tired just as the season goes along and you, you, at, you know, maybe, 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 Maybe this isn't the case because you would just be playing the regular season if there wasn't the World Cup. But, the, you know, we, we I talked about this directly after the World Cup, but then there's sort of a second part to it where the cumulative effect of it kind of adds up and puts a lot of stress on at the end. Yeah, I mean, definitely. it's There's, there's a lot of moving variables for sure. It is a very long season, um, you know, and, and other than the actual physical... Uh, burdens you're dealing with uh, I mean the English press is brutal and you know they're, they're always trying to stir things up uh, I don't know if you guys have 
uh, caught any of the post-match interviews with any manager. Um, you know, actually, like the Eric Ten Hag interview after the Liverpool defeat. You know, the, the some of these reporters, like, they know exactly what they're doing, and they twist questions to wind you up uh, so much that, you know, th there's a lot of pressure from the press as well. So, um, you know, certain players, certain individuals feel that more than others uh, once they're targeted. Um, but, you know, it, it's just a long season. So we'll see. We'll see what happens. Um, you know, uh, I think it's still a very competitive, uh, you know, season moving forward. And, you know, we'll just see, you know, who the best squad is. Yeah, so I guess that's a good good wrap up on our kind of our three teams perspective, EPL. And uh, as we follow the right hosh here, our episode number seven, first one in, in about a month. Thanks to everybody joining us here from the Nasser Alexander Kuchecki Studios. Luke Ned Carney, Alex Thompson, Rob Jordan here with you. And as we kind of kind of get into the get into the later stages of this show, um, we'll just we'll just kind of open the open the floor up a little bit because Rob Rob's been talking about some just cheeky spicy takes hot takes whatever it is and and we're just, we'll just kind of go down the rabbit hole we've got kind of a month's worth of stuff you know we'll just we'll just open up the uh the santa's sack of of soccer news and nuggets and just whatever we want to pontificate on here in the last you know 10 to 15 minutes of this show or, or a little bit more um but i guess i'll just kind of open the floor here for the for the the second part and after we we get through more of the the more analytical stuff we can kind of just just have a little bit of fun here, here on the right hosh. Yeah, I mean, the, the spicy take we talked about off air, um, you know, I, I alluded to it uh, with the French League One, where, you know, it, it is like, let's just call it what it is. League One in France, it's a farmer's league. There's PSG, there's Marseille, and then, you know, depending on whatever one or two other teams you know goes on a run it's between it's a race between three or four teams because we were talking about the champions league about uh you know oh psg like never never quite makes it uh and you know that they're spending all this money they have a ton of money invested in their club because they never play anyone in the regular season so they always get clapped uh and they're in the champions league whereas you know i'd argue that you know, the English teams, the EPL, you know, most of the time that they lose, you know, every once in a while, you know, like they are clearly outmatched by someone and like, that's just a given, but, you know, much better English teams have lost in Champions League to much inferior, you know, be it Spanish or French teams, because it's just a grueling season in the premiership. So, you know, Champions League, it's always kind of a, you know, a mixed bag, in my opinion, because like sometimes I genuinely don't think the best club in Europe wins. Um, you know, I think it just comes down to certain teams, you know, the Spanish league as well, La Liga. I mean, who are we kidding here? It's it's Real, Barcelona, you know, recently Atletico Madrid. And I mean, that's it. <laughs> like, who else are they playing? Um, that's, just, that's just, it's not really that spicy of a take, but um, I mean, yeah, I still stand by the EPL is clearly, um, you know, the pinnacle of club football and, you know, the, these people, 
it, it's not a coincidence that uh, you know the ownership of La Liga and French League One are the ones that are complaining about the spending going on uh, in the Premiership. Um, like you know, and this whole investigation into Man City, the, a lot of them are you know crying from the stand saying, "Oh, you know, how can I do this? How can I spend this much money?" You know, in, in a season like all these English clubs. Listen, you know, at for the majority of time, especially La Liga, from like the '60s to like the '90s, you guys were the bankroll team. Like you guys, you're just mad that teams in other leagues now are spending more money than you and have more money than you. That's a you problem, La Liga chairman, whatever the hell his name is, that's complaining. Like we've built these brands and built this following and this money machine in the Premiership. This is like decades of work. So like, don't be butthurt that like you can't afford to pay players as we can. So like, and also your economy shit and the British pound is still strong. So like, why are you on the Euro? Like, what are you, what are you talking about? By the, the way, his name, is, uh, his name is Javier Tebas, the chairman of La Liga, in case anybody was wondering. What a, what a great name. <laughs> but I, I, that does, that does the, just to, uh, I, I think the one point I can make on that is the EPL has the big television deal, right? That that's where a lot of the money comes from. They've got the NBC deal and, you know, Peacock, you know, some of the games go to Peacock and that you, you just, you can't compare compete with that. If you're a different European league, which doesn't have the kind of TV deal that the EPL has. So that's, that's, that's my, uh, my two cents there, even though it's worth a lot more than two cents in TV money. I mean, may, maybe your league would also have more money if you stopped letting Ronaldo and Messi leave on free transfers because you're too fucking petty to sell them when they're worth money and you want to force them into staying with your squad when they don't want to. You could have had 500 million, whatever you wanted for Messi, but he leaves on a free transfer because you, you, you're, you're too proud and you, you want to drag him through the mud instead of getting any money out of him. Yeah, I hope your entire club goes bankrupt because you're idiots. Um, but that's, that's my, uh, that's my Spanish league thing. Rob, I'll let you respond to that real quick. I just want to point out one thing, Rob, to your French farmers league, uh, comment right now, exact amount of games played games, won, and points in the standings for Arsenal and PSG PSG is number one in the, in league and they have the exact same amount of points as Arsenal has accumulated in the premier league. And they have Neymar, Messi, and Mbappe as their attack in a farmer's league. And they have not separated themselves any more than Arsenal has separated themselves in England. So, yes, your point is well taken, well received, and agreed upon. <laughs> as they would say over there in the land of the frogs. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it's just ridiculous. And, I mean... You know, your, your point with La Liga, and like, it, it, it's just mismanagement. Like, don't be butthurt and, like, just take the L. Just just admit it. Like, you guys mismanaged your finances the last, like, 10 to 15 years. Uh, I mean, okay, sure, you have the two greatest players of this generation between Messi and Ronaldo in your league. That is great. You know, it's worth paying them for sure. But to your point, Alex, you know, they – they run their clubs in La Liga different, you know, Real and Barcelona. It like, they're not even like clubs. It's just straight up 
companies. Like that they, they're in a soccer league of their mafia. Own. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like they're just in a league of their own. And you know, now they're just getting butt hurt that, you know, like other people are able to spend more money than them and have been managed much better. Um, so you know, that's that's just them crying wolf and you know, oh, let's feel sorry. Let's feel sorry for Real Madrid and Barcelona. Like, miss me with that bullshit. Like, get the hell out of here. Yeah, if you can't afford to pay your players, sell the one that's worth half a billion dollars and pay all the rest of them. I mean, this guy's 38 years old and wants to leave. I I I never understood that messy garbage. Um, other than they legitimately thought they would be able to, I don't know, pay him in Spanish monopoly money. I have no idea what their thought was all along, but they they they've tanked, in my opinion. Barcelona has tanked themselves for a good decade. I just don't see how that how they would swing anything competitively in the next 10 years to me barca just doesn't seem like a destination anymore like a team that every star wants to play for you you've seen that in like it's kind of like how the miami heat was like when lebron went there everyone wanted to play for the miami heat and when i was a kid you know like my limited soccer knowledge i still knew that barcelona was like a place that a lot of stars were clamoring to go to um without really knowing any better about the business of of European soccer, but it just doesn't seem like it's that way anymore. Uh, and I'm just yeah. kind of going down their roster, like you know, co- only a couple names jump out at me. You know, Lewandowski, of course, but he's he's kind of old. You know, just it doesn't seem like it seems like they've kind of regressed to the mean in that department. Yeah, I mean, to to your point, I I wasn't into football until the last couple of years, like heavy, but I watched El Clasico every time it was aired, every single time. And it, it, it was can't miss TV, you know, Messi and Ronaldo. It, th- there is no reason that should ever lose its luster. And both of those squads imploded. At least Real Madrid had enough of a farm team with, you know, Vinny um, and, and, you know, th- did, did enough money management, let some guys go where they needed to, um, to, to stay relevant. Um, Barcelona just fucked themselves left, right, and center. It's been kind of hilarious, but also just it was really annoying to see them, you know, that they took a year away from Messi in in kind of the tail end of his prime. He's still playing well, but they took a full year away from him um, that he really couldn't play, uh, which I, I think is even more unspeakable. You look at what he did for that club um, and I, they just didn't treat him right. I would never, ever, ever play for them. Not that they're going to ask me to, but if they ever did, I am not playing for them. Yeah, a great um for listeners that are you know unfamiliar with it. Actually, on Netflix, there's a great uh documentary about um oh god, what was his name? Uh, super famous player that basically he played. He was the Barcelona staple, and then he got traded to Real Madrid, and that gets you um like think of like the Last Dance documentary. So like this happened in the uh, early two thousands. And, you know, it, it gives you a great insight into how Barcelona and Madrid run their clubs, where it, it literally is like football mafia. Like, it's just, you know, they're untouchable. They're the two teams that, like, make everything happen. And there's a lot of shady backroom deals going on. And, you know, I, I think that stuff has really started to catch up with them. And, you know, it, it's kind of one of those things where, you know, they had the two generational talents on their team, which – you know, it makes them look like, oh, yeah, they're still amazing. 
which, you know, they were good teams, but it's like, you know, it's so heavily skewed because you have Ronaldo or you have Messi on your team while they're both in their prime. Um, so, you, you know, I, I think that's without them, either of them in the league anymore on either team. Um, you know, I think those cracks are starting to show uh, and, you know, it, it's going to be a rebuilding year for, uh, you know, the next few years in La Liga. So um, no complaints here. The Figo affair, Luis Figo, the yes, famous Portuguese. Yes. Yeah. yes, Luis Figo, the Figo affair. It's it's actually a great watch. Um, if if anyone's if anyone's into just like sports documentary drama stuff, it it's pretty ridiculous. I won't steal the thunder, but uh, yeah, a lot of a lot of crazy crazy backroom deals going on. Yep. If I, had, I if, if I wasn't smack in the middle of crossover season for like a million college sports, I'd turn that on like right after the show because that does sound really interesting. Uh, and it kind of does fit, you know, it's, you, you see this in, in American sports all the time. You, you, Alex and I actually kind of talked about this on, on the, the other show about how certain sports are better when, when certain teams are good. And, you know, we talked about like UCLA basketball, but, but the Spanish probably believe, you know, at least one of these teams has to be good every year for our league to be worth a shit. And that's why they go to such great lengths to behind closed doors to make, make it sure that happens. Yeah, I mean it's it's the it's where FIFA was born basically. So I mean you, you already know the corruption there, um, but it's a it's a whole other level. They they've just kind of got themselves into a place where they can't get themselves out of it. Like everything is under such a micro, microscope these days. It's it's hard to do illegal shit. Um, I mean, even if you don't do illegal shit, you get you know Spanish league and all the rest of the Premier League reporting you for spending too much money. <laughs> we're going through that right now. <laughs> um, and that that's with trying to be on the up and up. And you know that they're not trying to be on the up and up and on those big clubs in, in the Spanish league. So, um, yeah, that, that, they've really killed uh, La Liga with how they've managed those two clubs. I, I was going to say, Alex, uh, speaking of illegal shit, uh, how's everything going at the empty head? Uh, it's good. We're, we're fine. We're, we're loading up to go get Jude Bellingham and, uh, you know, maybe Rafael Leal in the off season. Um, sh- shouldn't be a problem. I mean, that, as I like to say, that's a problem for future Manchester city to worry about. Let's just have fun now. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, very, very boomer take, you know, well, let, hit, let, the future, mean, let, let the future generation but, suffer. But, <laughs> no, but, no, but yeah, no, re, but really think about it. What, what they're, what they're coming at us for has already happened. So who cares what we do now? Like if they're going to get us, they're good. They're going to get us. Right. So let's just go be on our way, you know, do our own business like we're going to. And, you know, if they find something, they find something until they do. Business as usual. Reggie Bush is about to lace up the cleats and play play the other kind of football for for Man City. He's got his Heisman that the yeah. NCA tried to take away. That that would that would be great. I mean, uh, he's kind of built like Kyle Walker, so we could put him. Up <laughs> <laughs> I was I was gonna say whoever uh, whoever were the uh, the lawyers for certain mafia members uh, that beat the Rico cases. Those are the lawyers that you guys need to hire. James Cochran. Cochran? Yeah, you get yeah, yeah, yeah. Jimmy Cochran. You got 
you've got a straight up Rico case on you guys, which like, I mean, I feel bad to a certain extent where, I mean, it, it's, it's a very clear targeted attack where, you know, okay, a hundred or so charges have been brought against you. And just with the way the Rico style cases work, all that needs to happen is for one of them to stick. So, I mean, to your point, I think that's the best attitude you can have about it where, listen, it's going to happen, but like until it happens, like, let's just enjoy the ride. And I mean, what worse comes to worse, Pep is out and we get to move on to Vincent company a little bit earlier uh, than, you know, than maybe we would have naturally, but he's going to be the next guy. Um, so, you know, it, it's good. It, I, I hesitate to say it, but I feel like whatever happens would be somewhat of a smallish punishment just because of the money that city can bring in for the premier league. Like it would only hurt the premier league to hammer city. Like if you want to make an example and, you know, give them some punishments, if you, if you ultimately find stuff cool, I get that, but it, it only hurts you to hammer city because they've been, you know, that they've got the maybe biggest and brightest young star, at least in terms of, you know, people tuning in uh, with, with Erling Holland. Uh, a lot of folks t- tune in for KDB and just the rest of the city. Uh, a lot of the matchups that they're in, especially the the Manchester Derbies, they've been huge uh, recently. So I, I just don't know if, if the Premier League will hand, hammer uh, City, even if they get the chance, just because it wouldn't be super self-serving. Um, but again, that's a problem for future City. Right now, we're just trying to get back into this with uh, with Arsenal and we're trying to come out ahead um, against uh, Red Bull Leipzig in a couple of weeks. Yeah, it, it, as much as I joke about it, too, it's also, you know, it would set a legal precedent. So, you know, while, you know, the, the Chelsea fans and the Tottenham fans of the world are like, and the Man U fans are like, ah, like City's going down, blah, 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 like all this stuff is happening, you know, depending on how that ends with Man City, you know, any of the large, I mean, look at how much Chelsea just spent, you know, a billion pounds essentially uh, in this calendar year uh, on, on trades. And I mean, that's, you know, that, that leaves the door open for other big firms in the EPL to get investigated on these things. So, so yeah, I agree with you that it, it certainly doesn't serve the best interests of the EPL um, for City to get absolutely hammered if they just do it as a scapegoat, similar to how you know my club Portsmouth got kind of screwed over and made an example of by the FA. That's probably the best case scenario. Um, but I mean, the conspiracy theorist inside me, you know, we, we were talking about Barcelona, you know, and Real being as desperate as possible to, you know, bring attention back to them and bring money back to them. You know, I wouldn't be surprised if, uh, you know, the, the owners in La Liga or Real Madrid or Barcelona, like, helped leak some of these documents about Man City because there's a, a thing going on. You know, if Pep gets out of Man City, you know, based on the fallout of this, you know what club wants him the most is Barca. They want a homecoming for Pep. Um, so, again, that's just a conspiracy theorist to me. I hope that doesn't happen, but you know, maybe something to check back in on in five years from now. Yes, on, on episode uh, 376 of the Right Hosh, we will cover the Man City punishments. You seriously <laughs> couldn't do, you couldn't go 64 episodes higher. 
No, I mean, it's just I, sitting I, there for I'm, the take. I'm not celebrating that, Luke. <laughs> well, hopefully, it won't be five years between now and our next show. That's for damn sure. That's ho- hopefully that episode <laughs> will be when Portsmouth gets promoted to the Premiership again and glory is restored. There's a whole other World Cup. We'll, we'll we'll have gone to some World Cup games by then, hopefully here in, I mean, in America. Rob, <laughs> how how are you going to emotionally handle Arsenal being two points ahead of Portsmouth on the Premier League table? <laughs> Dude, I'd I'd be all for it. I, just the fact that Portsmouth would be in the Premiership, I'd be happy. <laughs> yeah, we can all dream. Oh, yeah. I, I see. Even I would become a Portsmouth fan if that happened, dude. That would just be that would be that awesome. I want to get them in Plymouth, all b- both back up to the Premier League, and just add some real hooliganery. Is that a word? Hooliganery. I don't know. Hooliganism. Chicanery. <laughs> Tomfoolery. Shithousery. Uh, Shithouser, yeah, just just <laughs> a, Hauser, yeah. just a, a, a lot of um, uh, madness, mayhem, debauchery. The namesake of our studios would have a thousand synonyms for the, this type of behavior. We, we could do a whole other show on just what we would call that kind of behavior. <laughs> Top Sh- four. Shithousery Sh- Sh- sounds right. Shithousery. Oh, uh, <laughs> yes. Wonderful. It's- that's the most, br- I think that's the most British one. Oh, that's absolute shithousery by Mo Salah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> the uh, on a on a last note on City, I actually meant to ask this earlier, Alex. Um, has there been any update on Julian Alvarez? Uh, just because uh, apparently he's like unhappy, given you know you know he's not starting every game, right? Um, you know, obviously it's hard to start every game for City just based on how stacked they are, but. You know, it's interesting where Luke alluded to it earlier where, you know, one of the fallout things from a World Cup is, especially if you're a player from a country that won it or did very well and you're on a good team and you're maybe not getting as much playing time as you like, you know, your your ego, you know, you just won a World Cup and you're like, why am I not playing more for my club, right? You know, that, that can lead to certain fallout there. Like, have you heard any whisperings or like, um, know much more about how that situation is playing out because apparently he wants out of Man City, and I'd be yeah. curious what your take is on that. It, it's just like you, I think you said it earlier in this show. It, it's just English reporting being English reporting, and like they're just trying to. It, it's clickbait. I mean, he's he he was literally the the guy who advocated for Maximo Perón to come to City um, off of the Argentinian national team. And that was just a couple of weeks ago. Like, I mean, he's, he's in the middle of getting a new deal created. Um, I think he understands that he's young and there's Riyad Mahrez and er- Erling Holland and Phil Foden and Jack Grealish. And there's a lot of guys on this squad. Like they didn't, they didn't show up after he agreed to come to city. So um, I, I, I don't put any stock into it. The, the city insiders that I follow say, that's just, uh, th- that's just people trying to talk, trying to, you know, keep City a little bit kind of down and flustered where they were a couple of weeks ago. Um, I see at, I don't see that at all. Like it doesn't come through in any interviews. Pep is usually pretty transparent about that stuff, but I mean, Alvarez is recruiting people to City. So it would, it, it would be the dumbest thing in the world if he was trying to get out. Like he's, he's trying to sign a multi-year deal right now. That that's fair. Uh, 
predatory journalism. Uh, that's definitely yes. a thing. So that 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 makes that makes a lot of sense. And uh, no, that's that's good to hear. Just for your guys' sake, uh, Luke. Speaking I mean, of, we or go ahead. I was I was going to say, speaking of predatory, do we think uh, Ashraf Hakimi plays against Bayern? <laughs> Whoa! Not the direction I thought that was going. In. <laughs> but maybe I should have. Maybe I should have. <laughs> well, um, knowing knowing money being money and how desperate PSG are for a win, um, you know, I, I I think it's a genuine coin flip. Uh, I, I genuinely, you know, all jokes aside, you know, I don't know the details of what happened. I don't know you know, what it is, you know, I hope things are resolved the right way once all, you know, evidence comes forward. But, um, you know, I, I'll be honest, you know, the NFL gets a bad rap for kind of sweeping things under the rug and, you know, just like letting players play. Dude, European soccer is like just as bad, if not worse, (laughs) when it comes to stuff like that. Actually, so, if I would have just Googled this, I, I just found out he's eligible for the game, so he's playing. I, I, I was going to say, there's, it's like a 90% chance he'd play. Like, I, the, the times where players don't play, it's, if anything, it's more in the EPL where, you know, they are a little more subject to kind of, like, good PR and, like, trying to, like, you know, stay PC. I hate to use, like, that term, but, you know, they're trying to keep a squeaky clean image things like that um but yeah they're, they're especially with, yeah exactly but they have PS- to pretend like they didn't pillage three quarters of the world <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah no no comment um i played the fifth so there. so w- what you're saying is this is a problem for future ad traffic keeping <laughs> <laughs> yes exactly okay exactly well, you're set. You were, we talked about precedents being set. You know what? What happens if a player on another team? This, you know, is something similar. You know, this this is the precedent set. So I think Rob said it. Better. You know, Rob probably has the most knowledge here of how European I mean, soccer handles di- this, and it's different. Not, not good. Different leagues, different leagues, different rules, and you know, we'll let the farmers figure out how they want to run their league. You know, we'll it's, we'll stick with the professionals in the EPL. City, City's experienced this with Benjamin Mendy just a couple of years ago, and he hasn't played since. Um, so I, I, yeah, st- standards a little bit higher, uh, I guess it, it I don't know, a yeah, little bit higher. And, <laughs> yeah. And, and in, uh, in all seriousness to, um, uh, Mason Greenwood, he's a player yep. for Man U, like a young star and like, he hasn't played all season again. I don't know too much about that situation, but it was clearly very serious to the point that Man U not only have like not played him but they've like distanced themselves from him um as a person where you know he's he's like not allowed like on the club premises and stuff and like it's very clear that he is being pushed out so um you know i I think it just kind of depends on the situation and yeah i mean things like that gareth southgate i think said this week that mason greenwood won't play for him as long as he's the manager of england there you go. So, I mean, you've been blackballed by your team and your country. That's not, that's not what you're looking to, to do by the age of 21. Yeah, that's uh, definitely not a great, great thing to do. Uh, moving on to maybe more optimistic things here. Uh, Luke, we haven't talked about it since the beginning of the show, but I mean, based on Liverpool's recent form, um, you know, what, what are your thoughts on 
you know, maybe what's led to it or like, you know, what are you looking forward to for the future or like any thoughts there? Um, well, you know, I, I, I do kill on Jurgen Klopp a lot on this show and off of this show too. Uh, but I think he's a much better coach and a much more positive like dressing room influence than, than he gets credit for. Um, I, I think he's one of the more personable coaches and just more, more, more of a player's coach. And, and I think just, you know, coming back from the world cup and having, you know, adding Cody Gakpo kind of, you got to get that team chemistry back. And I think maybe it took a little while for Liverpool to get that team chemistry back. And I also mentioned it in the, uh, in, in, in earlier in the show too, but you know, champions league getting back to where they were in champions league might not be as realistic of a possibility as it once was. So I think if you take that focus and shift it, um, and, and I think Klopp is a good enough coach to get this, this squad to do that. If you take that focus and shift it to, all right, we need to finish fourth in the EPL and we've got a really good chance to do that. I think, I think you can, you know, th- th- there's a real possibility for this team. Um, but you know, the, the schedule and it's really going to come down to how, how the teams around them do because they only have one more EPL game scheduled this month. Uh, but I, I think I'm looking more forward to, you know, we talked a lot about the, the, on the field, you know, the tactic stuff, but just seeing the intangibles and seeing, seeing the team's body language and Jurgen Klopp's body language and just seeing the more positive things come out, just, you know, it, um, <clears throat> lost my train of thought there, but um, seeing just the more, the more positive aura around this team and of, of a, a four game unbeaten streak just just that i want that to continue it's 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 fun to watch again i guess is what i'm trying to say yeah no that that makes sense and i mean if anything if liverpool does finish top four even if it's fourth um i'd say that's a victory for liverpool uh just based on how the rest of the season had gone for them to call their themselves back into fourth place um and in champions league contention for the following year um, I think that'd be an amazing moral victory for them, which, you know, that will keep Klopp uh, at the helm. You know, it should keep most of their players there uh, and have that consistency of management um, there and like less drama off the field. And, you know, I, I think Liverpool will kind of be back to their ways. And, you know, once all these new additions, you know, it'll allow them to gel even more. And And Alex had pointed this out earlier where, you know, Liverpool in the midfield, um you know Jordan Henderson obviously is the old man now but you know he's got that experience that like really glues them together but you know just as a midfield in general they haven't really assisted well um in the attack which I think is part of the problem but you know we all know that their major move that they are trying to make is sign Jude Bellingham um in the offseason which if you know, if Liverpool finishes top four, not only will it be a good moral victory for them, in my opinion, but, you know, I think that's reason enough that, uh, you know, because at the end of the day, you've got to convince the player that, like, they should come play for your team because they can win trophies. And, you know, that that might be the thing that sways Jude Bellingham uh, to come to Anfield. Um, so that's that's just something that I thought about looking to the future, but maybe something to monitor. Yeah, definitely agree. And and the, the ownership situation is no longer unstable. Fenway Sports Group has said, hey, we're not going to sell the team after all. So uh, the, that element of it is is over for better or for worse. For sure. I, I hate to hog here. I know, Alex, you, you have stuff to say. I, I will say just on the, the note of transfers real quick, I'm very, very happy with Arsenal's ownership 
that they publicly stated, uh, this was a couple weeks ago, that they publicly stated, hey, we're out of the Jude Bellingham race. We're not even going to try because we know that, you know, obviously Liverpool are gunning for them. Alex, you mentioned Man City are gunning for them. Chelsea's obviously going to, you know, <laughs> they have an endless pool of money as well. They're going to gun for them that, you know, they're like, look, we're going to cut our losses here. You know, our, we believe enough in our midfield. We don't need to add Jude. But, um, you know, we basically, by saying that, we essentially declared Declan Rice, whose contract will be up for West Ham at the end of this season. Um, we basically put him as our front runner, who I think will get nearly as good a quality player right now for a much smaller price tag. And by grooming him to be, you know, our first pick, I think that, you know, we kind of get the jump on him um, as like potentially his favorite club to move to. But uh, that's the biggest like juicy transfer news in the Arsenal world, but it relates to Jude Bellingham and Liverpool and Man City. Curious if you guys have anything to add with any other transfer rumors or if you want to go off of that. Uh, Jude Bellingham's going to play with Erling Holland. That's all I have to say. <laughs> that would be pretty cool. I, I don't. I don't really have much to add beyond that. I just. I. I'd be. I like. Like I say on the other show when I'm making uneducated guesses, I'd just be throwing shit at the wall and seeing what sticks. I just want to enjoy this unbeaten streak. Let's keep it going, Reds. I mean, I. I've honestly never. Even when we went for Holland, I never heard City said that they were like 100% targeting this uh, Holland they have said they are 100% targeting Jude Bellingham and Jude Bellingham is friends with Phil Foden from the English team and obviously good friends and former teammates with Erling Holland at BVB Dortmund. So um, I would be astonished if he is not in city blue next season. It's fair. We'll see. I, I think it's going to be red or blue, either one. It's like some of the only options though. So many teams wear red and blue. It's like, I know we're the Reds, but lots of other Reds, except when we wear yellow sometimes. Sure. Yeah. Well, where's <laughs> the green teams? Where's the green teams in the Premier League? I know it would be easily have the right hashes favorite team if there was a, a green team. Exactly. I mean, there's not even a purple team. Rob, help us out here, man. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I mean, yeah. I mean, there are no true green teams here. This is, I mean, this is why I'm alternate jerseys. But bring Plymouth uh, up. <laughs> up the argyle <laughs> careful that's unc territory right there. oh god god that's uh i i hope now that they don't get promoted from our league just because you said that they're, team, they're right? right right now they're uh right now they are at i think they're in the second i can check the table as we speak here um but yeah port they're in a um they're in like a promotional spot right now. And Portsmouth aren't doing bad. We're in like nine. Let me see the table. Sorry for the wait here, gents. Okay. Yeah. So we're Portsmouth. We're in 10th and we have a game in hand on a couple teams and Plymouth is sitting at second. So that's not great. <sighs> Hope they don't get promoted. Just a few more seasons, and we'll have some green on the table, baby. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Maybe four, four years and 20 days from now, we will have our first <laughs> green team in the English Premier League. What a, what a great, what a great, great way to, to, to 
to spark, you know, cash out this show, I guess. Uh, really, really good, uh, really good episode here today on the right hosh. We're glad to be a uh, glad to be back with you guys after our little post-American football hiatus. Um, yeah. Um, any any uh, any parting jokes, thoughts, Nigel Thornberry references, any anything from you guys before we we ride off into the sunset here and prepare for a week of of great football. Up the Gunners, baby. That's all I have to say. I just hope everyone has fun. <laughs> now, what's a good, clean game, <laughs> all of you? <laughs> no touching of the hair or face. <laughs> Appropriate after uh, we blew up the, uh, the, the Man U's faces today. Seven to nothing, once again. Liverpool over Manchester United doing the okie doke sign again for the namesake of our studios. Nasser Alexander Kuchecki, who it's, I guess he's glad he didn't have to see that game today. It's a good thing you guys don't have Brent Maher on the squad or you would have only scored six. <laughs> <laughs> ah, fuck that guy. <laughs> the, fact, the fact that Darwin Nunez scored two goals on you alone is just like God or uh, on Man U. I mean, goddamn. Like, right. Speaking of Wild Thornberry's characters, man, Darwin getting into the act. I didn't know Chips could play soccer. Throwback. I missed that show, man. I missed that show. Maybe I'll go watch it now as we uh, we wind down here on uh, on the right hosh. Thanks a lot for everyone who stuck with us till the bitter end with our, uh, our shenanigans and tomfoolery. And we will co- come to you in about a week or two from the Nasser Alexander Kuchecki Studios. Next time, Bro. good night from the right hosh. I don't want to listen to her, but she don't want to listen to me. Last week we're talking together forever, this week more fish in the sea. Shit's just killing me, G. I had the perfect picture, it was all laid out.